Hi, I'm Katie. And I'm Dr. Cubitt. We're going beyond the barn. Come join us on this journey as we bust equine and livestock nutrition myths and interview some of the most intriguing experts in the country. We'll go behind the scenes of how premium Western quality forage is grown and brought to your favorite farm and ranch retail store. We're so glad you're here. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Barn and welcome to 2022. Dr. Cubit, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me again. Today, we are going to talk a little bit about hay formats. We had a previous episode that we talked about hay types, or so we discussed alfalfa, teff grass, timothy grass, orchard grass, Bermuda, a variety of different types of hay. In this one, we want to talk a little bit more about the formats that you might see, you know, when you go into your local farm and ranch store, um, just to kind of give people a little bit more insight into what these products are and why in the world would people even want to feed them or need to feed them. So, and before we get started, I think it would be good for us to, to just mention that, you know, of course, any of the topics that we cover on the Beyond the Barn podcast they're more generalized and they're not specific to any individual horses or any specific situations. So always be sure to work with your veterinarian and nutritionist before making any drastic changes to your horse's feed program. And of course, you can always reach out to us to talk directly with Dr. Hubert or Dr. Duran on specifics that you would like to know about with your current situation. So without further ado, let's get into this. And Dr. Cubit. You know, this is something that we talk about quite often in our discussions, but I want to go into a little bit more detail about certain horses. So let's talk about how much hay a horse needs. What is the bare minimum a horse should consume and when would this amount be okay? So the absolute bare minimum is 1% of their body weight. And really that's never Okay. Um, that's just going to keep the gut moving. So for a thousand pound horse, that's 10 pounds of dry fiber per day. Typically though, the lowest I will go as a nutritionist recommending is 1.2% of body weight. So that's about uh, 12 pounds of forage per day. And I would only do that for weight loss. I'm going to, the more general recommendation is between one and a half to two and a half percent of body weight. Right. And so when we talk about bare minimum, that's strictly to make sure that the digestive system will still work properly, but it, Correct. it doesn't It'll mean that alive. it's a good idea yeah. to necessarily only feed your horse, you know, 1%. Or, 1% of body weight. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. You know, they're not going to be in a starvation case, but they will lose weight. And yeah, 1%, That that's really a restricted diet. And I would... I would never just recommend that. I would it would definitely be very dire circumstances. You'd be working with your with your veterinarian closely if you were ever doing that. Yeah. And you said 1.2% for weight loss, right? Mhm. And so for normal forage intake, that was around the 1.5 to 2.5% percent mm -hmm. of body weight and then maximum intake. What is the maximum that a horse can consume? in hay, and in what cases does that occur, or can it occur? Well, I mean, I think we've got a general guideline of about three, three and a half percent of their body weight, but then we've got ponies that might consume five percent of their body weight, so, you know, never underestimate a, 
a hungry naughty pony. But typically we're three and a, three to three and a half percent of body weight. That's going to max out how much dry fiber they'll eat in a day. So again, for our thousand pound horse, 30 to 35 pounds of hay in a day. Right. Okay. And so, you know, talking about forage or hay formats, there are a few different ones to consider. So first up, let's talk about pellets. What are they? Like a true hay pellet is literally we've harvested the the grass or whatever plant we're using, the alfalfa, if it's an alfalfa, you harvest it, it's been dried, and then typically it would be raked and baled into a bale. But instead of doing, instead of putting it into a bale, now we take that and run it through a chopper and then we get it smaller and then grind it, grind that hay and make much finer particles and then run it through a pellet die, usually with some steam to help stick it together and press it through a a small like pellet uh, shape and squeeze it through that and make it a pellet. So it's literally just the hay ground and squeezed through the shape of a pellet. We call that a die. And then you have the, you have a hay pellet. Now that's, that's the way Stanley makes them. Now, some other companies may mix other things in there, but that's how we make them. Right, right. And so why would someone feed pellets? In what ways are they beneficial to, first of all, the owners that feed them, but then also to the actual animals that consume them? Well, if we go with the animal first, a horse that has poor dentition, so poor teeth, can't really chew long stem typical hay, stereotypical hay. The fiber length has to be much, much shorter, if not ground fully so that you can wet it and make a mash that they can slurp up. That's a really old horse with no teeth. So that's how the pellets can be beneficial for a horse if they need to literally drink their fiber. For the owner, I mean, there's a multitude of reasons why pellets can be a convenient option for them. They take up less space in the barn we uh, less waste because we are putting it right in the feed bucket. We potentially there the availability and consistency. So by law, anything that comes in a bag and has a tag on it, a guaranteed analysis tag, then batch to batch, they're going to be exactly the same. So we know that it's exactly the same what's coming in every bag. And then I may just be able to go down to my farm and ranch store and and purchase every week a few bags. And so I don't have a lot of money tied up in that versus buying, you know, a ton of hay at a time and having to store it and having my money. So there is a multitude of reasons why pellets are convenient and beneficial to use as part of your your diet or feeding program. And you've talked a little bit about sometimes, like, for example, you know, if you're out riding, I don't know, it's a little bit harder this time of year. I know some still get out there and, and get it done, but giving like a handful of pellets or like alfalfa pellets, for example, before you ride as kind of an ulcer preventative. Sure. Yes, I have talked about that. So I, I usually talk more about the alfalfa in that case. So the acid that is being produced in a horse's stomach is continual. And so if we are rushing home from work to ride in the afternoon before it gets dark because we don't have lights or whatever, and you know the horse, we're not feeding the horse before we go out to ride, then that acid that's built up during the day can splash up onto the non-protected region of the stomach and cause ulcers. So just giving a handful of alfalfa pellets when you're tacking up can give some instantaneous buffering. It'll act like a mat and sit on top of that acid that's in the stomach. So that's certainly another. I mean, 
we could talk all day just on all of the the different scenarios where a pellet can be beneficial. Sure. Right. And you had mentioned, you know, the pellets are especially beneficial for senior horses who have poor dentition. And I've seen horse owners sometimes not really realizing, I think, the importance of fiber in their horse's diet and saying, you know, my horse, they can't eat hay. And so then they, unless I guess they work um, from more of a complete diet, you know, perspective, they end up just feeding less hay because the horse can not eat it. So in this sense, that's where the pellets can really, really come in handy, just soaking it. And like you said, making it basically into a slurry where the horse can just like slurp it up and still get that fiber intake, right? It doesn't matter whether your horse is young and consume hay or old and has really bad teeth, their fiber requirement doesn't change. You've just got to become really inventive in the way that you get it into your horse. You think about that horse in the wild, if his teeth went by the wayside and were no longer as functional, then if he wasn't able to chew long stem hay, then he would get thin and eventually perish. So when we have our horses in a more controlled environment and we can keep them alive longer than with the poor teeth. We still, they still have a certain amount of food that they have to consume in a day just to maintain basic metabolic functions. So, and I think people get a little scared when it's a pelleted product. You know, when I say your horse needs to eat 15 pounds of hay a day, the idea of feeding 15 pounds of what they sometimes look at because it came in a bag as feed or grain. It's not grain. It's literally just a different form of that fiber. So you still have to feed, you know, 1.2 to 1.5% of their body weight. So 12 to 15 pounds of fiber in a day. And sometimes that can get a little just nerve wracking for people to visualize how this is and to really look at that hay pellet as hay and to feed the amount that you would of hay and not be concerned that they're feeding the horse too much grain because there's no grain in it. It's not a grain just because it's, we, we seem to have this kind of, if it's a pellet, it's got grain in it and not, and we should, you know, be feeding small amounts and that kind of thing. Yeah. It's just how they kind of view it. It's perception. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think I'm really glad that you brought that up because we do hear that. And I think that's why it's so important. Sometimes, you know, even if you don't, you look on the packaging of anything and, and you're, maybe you don't totally understand all of it, especially when you get into like, you know, products that have multiple ingredients in them and everything. But I think that's why it's so important to go ahead and read through when you go into the feed store, look at the packaging, look at the ingredients, see what's listed. And if you have questions, I mean, check with your resources um, for anybody who is, you know, a Stanley customer, you can always reach out to us to ask any questions. If you need some assistance from Dr. Dern or Dr. Cubit, you know, they are resources that we offer to all of our customers as well. And so don't be afraid to, to try to just look at those in a little bit more detail to get that information. So, and then what about, what about hay cubes and why would a horse owner want to feed hay cubes to their horses? The hay cube is really just a larger pellet. So instead of grinding that chopped forage down into, you know, a, a tiny, tiny fiber length that we can now squeeze through the pellet die, the hay cube, we didn't grind it as small 
and we just squeeze it through a, a bigger die to make the pellet shape versus putting it through the tiny, tiny. So if you look at, if you kind of rank hay based on fiber length, then obviously we've got hay, long stem, typical hay. And then we have chopped forage, which is, you know, literally you just take scissors and chop it into whatever fiber length you want. Then we have cubes and then pellets. So the cubes for me are just a slightly longer fiber length. So if your horse can, if your older horse has enough grinding ability that, that the cubes work and you can still wet those, but the fiber length is slightly longer. A lot of people use them as treats, good to be fed out in a field uh, if you're not bringing horses into stalls because even if they tip out of the feed bucket, it's easy for them to pick them up. So it's just another another option. Are there any situations where you would recommend to a client to feed pellets versus cubes or like where cubes uh, would be more really beneficial? It's the old, old horse. Okay. I mean, for me, it's just which one, like depending on the horse and its ability to consume, then pellets would be more favorable if we just really need to make a soup. Mm-hmm. So other than that, it's probably based a little bit more on just preference of the owner and the horse yeah. and what works well mm-hmm. for them. Absolutely. Okay. And then what would you say is the best way to prepare pellets and cubes to feed horses? You know, if we're soaking those, what ratio of water to pellets or cubes and how is that done? For somebody who maybe has only used long stem hay and they're wanting to try pellets and cubes. If your horse is what we say naive to pellets or cubes, hasn't eaten them before, then I would always wet them. Soak them maybe up to 30 minutes. It's usually a two to one or three to one ratio of water to dry matter. So if you've got two pounds of of pellets or cubes, then you would say eight pounds of water. Really, you just want to cover the pellet or cube that you've got in the bucket, cover it with water and then let it sit for a while and it will absorb that moisture. But 100%, if your horse has never had the pellets or cubes before and you're just going to try them, definitely always soak them. If you have a horse that tends to eat its feed fast, always wet them. If you have a horse that doesn't have great teeth, always wet them. If you have a horse that's bottom of the pecking order and is nervous, then wet them. And then in general, I, I like to wet pellets and cubes just because I want to get more hydration into the horse. Because a lot of people will bring them into the program in the fall or winter mm-hmm. when they're not drinking as much water anyway. So any way we can get more hydration into the horse is ideal. Right, right. And so if you have the option, would you ever recommend feeding an all-pelleted diet to, I guess, specific horses or just horses in general if somebody wanted to? For me, and I know that there are a lot of folks in certain areas that do do an all pelleted or cubed diet and it's based on convenience and what they can get. But for me, I only recommend all pellets or cubes in the case of a senior horse with really poor teeth. That's really the only scenario where I'm going to do that. I think that long stem fiber in the horse is not necessarily from a nutritional standpoint. I mean, what they get out of long stem alfalfa is the same as what they get out of an alfalfa pellet or cube. But as far as the time it takes to chew long stem hay is much longer. They're producing more saliva. You know, horses, there's no pellets or cubes in the wild. They, they're 
physically designed to consume grasses and legumes and forbs and different long stem forages. So that's the most ideal. But if we have an older horse that doesn't have great teeth, then I can go to a pelleted or cubed diet. Right. And I think there are quite a few, maybe not quite a few, but there are some people that assume that horses have to have long stem forage or hay in their diet. And maybe that's some confusion with ruminants where because of that, their digestive system, they need it right for that scratch factor. But horses, I mean, you had mentioned there are a lot of benefits, right? You know, the longer stem allows them to produce more saliva, which can help in a myriad of ways. But horses, do they have to have it? Or is it for the digestive system to work anyway? They don't have to have it for the digestive system to work. And, you know, that scratch factor that you mentioned is not something that we talk about in horses. And for those that are unfamiliar with that kind of nomenclature, it's mainly in in young growing cattle that the cells in the lining of the rumen are constantly developing so they can build up and thicken. And so the idea with putting long stem fiber into the gut is that it actually scratches away at those cells and keeps that keeps that um that cycle going of nice healthy tissue in the in the lining of their rumen because that's where they're absorbing most of their nutrients from. So that's not something that we talk about with horses because by the time, see, the, ho- the the cow is also what we call a foregut fermenter, right? The rumen is at the beginning. So they chew the hay and then it's right there in the stomach or in the rumen and it's still in its long stem form. By the time the forage gets to the horse's hindgut, which is where all the fermentation occurs, where the fiber gets digested in the back end. So in the in the cow, it just goes from mouth into the stomach and beast is fermented in the horse, it goes mouth, stomach, small intestine, and into the cecum colon. And that that the cecum colon area, that's where all the bacteria are. That's where that fiber is getting fermented. So by the time it gets there, it's not long stem anymore. It's been broken down. So as far as just digestive function, it's not required that a horse have long stem hay. But for a myriad of other reasons just time it takes to chew and proper chewing because also when a horse chews that bottom jaw works in a circular motion and the longer the fiber length the wider the jaw sweep so they more evenly wear their teeth the shorter the fiber length or feeding pellets they don't actually wear their teeth properly so as far as digestive health no they don't need long stem fiber but for other health benefits than long stem fibers. It's for a completely different reason than what some people might assume. Yep. And then of course, you know, the longer that you can extend your meal time and just keep them eating, right, is very good for their digestive system in general. So they're meant to be grazing animals, which means continually consuming small amounts of forage, literally standing out there for 17 hours a day, nibbling away, just having a small amount of food trickling through their digestive system. That's the way they're meant to function. And they slowly just chew, chew, chew away at that. And so, as you mentioned, any way that we can extend mealtime to better mimic that grazing behavior, that's ideal. And so what about chopped hay? And how do you feed chopped hay or how do some horse horse owners uh, use chopped hay in their feed programs? 
you know, I, I'm from originally from Australia and grew up there riding and, and feeding horses. And in Australia, we feed a lot of chopped hay. We don't call it chopped hay. We call it chaff. And it's literally you just take, you, you put the bale of hay through a chopping machine. It's You could take scissors and make chaff if you wanted to. And it just makes it into like an inch long section uh, and that's chopped forage. And we would always just put that in the feed bucket with the horse's feed. Again, you know, the weather in Australia, it was more about you could not waste money, I'd say, because you could put the chaff in the bucket. And so it wasn't being wasted by being tipped out on the ground. It's a shorter fiber length than long stem hay, but it's still longer than a cube or a pellet. So it's ideal that way. Here in America, we can make some really good hay that isn't exorbitantly expensive and it's more available to people. So mm, a lot of people don't feed chopped hay here. But for me, if if I have a horse that's just slowly, his teeth are starting to fail him, before I go straight to a pellet or a cube, I, if I have the option, I'll go to a chopped forage and then I'll go to a cube and then finally we end up with a pelleted forage. Or a horse that maybe has had colic surgery and we're just slowly getting them back to long stem fiber in the diet that we might, might go from, you know, a feed that's got very high fiber content to adding a hay pellet to adding a hay cube, then adding some chopped forage, and then finally back to eating grass, which is going to be high in, in moisture and then, then long stem hay. Right, right. Just kind of ease them into that. Yeah. So, and last last but not least, we have our long stem hay, which everybody is quite familiar with because it is what is most conventional, I think. And we've got a few different formats within this very format, obviously some with differing weights uh, just based on, you know, the farmer that's growing that hay and baling it and everything. So we have our round bales. We have, you know, some regular about 50 pound conventional bales and then we have compressed bales and a few kind of there in between just depending on what region of the country that you're in but let's talk about how round bales are fed now typically round bales were if you think stereotypically about round bales and I don't want to lump all round bales together but stereotypically they have been you know a farmer just wants to get grass off the field and they cut it and bale it and easiest way to do it is put it in a round bale and they store it on the edge of the field and they're not always the best quality grass or high in nutritional value but then there are certainly some round bales that are you know the farmers just chose to to put make the the hay in that form and has harvested really good quality forages but round bales some of the pitfalls with round bales is if you put them out in the field and they're not in a feeder, then a round bale feeder, then there's a lot of waste because the horses kind of stand on it and pour it and will waste a lot of it. It sits on the ground, so they waste a lot of it. Or if maybe you've only got one or two horses eating at a round bale and it takes them way too long to consume it, then it's going to get rained on and it can develop mold and then be really dangerous for the horse. So if we are using round bales, we want to make sure that we're putting either the horses are consuming them within, you know, a, a five day window or we're using a feeder that has a roof on it so that we can protect it. 
And then also, if I was feeding round bales, that I'd probably want to do a hay test beforehand, and I'd be really diligent to make sure that it didn't have dust or mold or any kind of contaminant weeds in it. But there's some of the pitfalls. But, you know, a round bale can actually be beneficial for, especially in areas where there's a lot of snow and the horses aren't able to to eat grass off the ground and we want them just to have fiber to to chew on and keep their gut healthy and maybe they're really easy keepers and they don't need really high nutritional value hay and you find some round bales that were you know made well and aren't moldy and dusty then they can be something for the horse to just chew on out in the field as long as they're in the right type of feeder and they're not wasting it. And how about just regular conventional bales that most of us are quite familiar with? Can you talk to us a little bit about those? So conventional bales, I think it's funny, you know, what you think is a conventional bale on the West Coast and what I think is a conventional bale on the East Coast are uh, two completely different things. My conventional bale is about 40 pounds and yours is probably more like 60 to 100 pounds. But conventional, I think we both uh, think of a rectangular bale with either two, three, or four strings on it. And I can either pick it up and pull flakes off and put those into a hay net or a feeder. Your flakes are just a lot bigger. So it really comes down to not a flake of hay, versus, but more being able to weigh your hay or having a good estimate of how heavy your hay flakes. But that's certainly the most stereotypical hay-fed But for me, I mean, hay can be in any form. It can be in a round bale. It can be in a square bale. It can be in pellets or cubes or, you know, giant bales or compressed bales. It all comes down to the the producer. Are they managing the soil well? Are they managing the plants well? Are they fertilizing? Are they irrigating? Are they cutting at the right time? Are they, you know, baling at the right time? So that that all of that is what really makes a good quality hay, not necessarily the form that it goes into for sure. Right. Well, and to be honest, I think over here we have some of both kinds of, I guess what you what we were talking about with conventional bales. We have some of those larger rectangular ones, but we have the smaller ones also. I think it just kind of depends because I know, you know, when we get some for our beef cattle. I remember growing up, we did have some of those larger ones that we would flake off and everything, but we definitely have a lot of those smaller rectangular bales around here too. So, but yeah. And then the one I think is maybe a little bit more unfamiliar for some and they don't quite understand because I've seen people talk about it and not understand that when you get a compressed bale, what it actually is, right? It looks smaller, So it's got to be less hay, right? (laughs) But it's not. So can you talk to us a little bit about what compressed bales are? And then how do you feed them? I mean, do you just open them up and throw the flakes out? Or like, give us some tips on, on how we would do that if we were to get some compressed bales. So a compressed bale is literally just that. You take, let's say you start with a 50 pound bale. And then it's like you put it in uh, the same kind of machine that would crush a car and you squeeze it and squeeze it and squeeze all the air out of it and then tighten up those strings. And sometimes even we'll put a plastic wrap around it. And then it's still 50 pounds, but you just squeezed it into a much smaller size. So as far as storage and being able to put it in the back of your pickup truck or in your car or just being able to store them in your hayloft, they take up a whole lot less room. 
But that is a classic example of feeding by weight, not volume. I have a funny story. I, I went and did a radio program years ago when I first started for working for Stanley Hay, and they had brought in some compressed bales for the radio lady that was running the program to to see, and there were some men in the studio, and I went to move one of the bales, and I went, oh, that's heavy, so I didn't say anything. And then one of these burly guys comes in and just tries to pick up the bale and got a huge shock (laughs) because he was expecting it to be like, I don't know, 25, 30 pounds. And he was like, oh, gosh, this is really heavy. He was like, oh, this young girl doesn't know what she's doing. She can't pick up this tiny bale of hay. And then he was like a big gut check because he couldn't pick it up. I thought that was great. But, yeah, I mean, you squeeze it down. You squeeze all the air out of it. It's just like, you know, those – and those Ziploc bags that you can put the vacuum cleaner on and you can put a massive big duvet cover in it that would take up your whole linen closet. But And you put it in this bag and you put your vacuum cleaner on it and suck all the air out of it and voila, now you can just slide Space it under saver. your bed. Yeah. So it's just, it's the same concept. You're just compressing it down. But like I said at the beginning, it's a classic example of feed by weight, not by volume, because that Really, when you open that bale up, it will fluff back up again, but it'll still be more squeezed in than than a regular bale. So you need to be feeding more by the weight of that versus the volume because you're going to think, oh, wow, you know, I need to feed way more than this because it doesn't look like much. But when you weigh it, it's a lot. Right. And it can be helpful if you kind of have a system in place where you open up a bale like the morning of for that night just to give it some time to kind of spread out a little bit. But yeah, I mean, like you can do that. You can fluff it up. One of the best things we're always looking on Facebook or any other social media and seeing cool ideas. And somebody had like an old timey scale, like a hanging scale in their feed room. And they had a, had just like an old bag that they uh, put the flake in and they were able to hang it on the scale So especially when you've got multiple people feeding at your barn, I thought it was a great idea just to get an idea of what does a pound feel like? What does five pounds feel like? What does 10 pounds feel like? Because I don't don't advocate that you weigh every single flake of hay that you're feeding your horses, but to just get people to get more of an idea of what it feels like versus what it looks like, because it looks completely different. So getting a feel for what it, five pounds or 10 pounds is, I thought that hanging scale was a cool idea. That's a great idea. And then just depending on, I mean, generally, if you're getting it from the same producer or whatever, for the most part can flake off generally consistent, but you know, flakes, they don't, they aren't always consistent. And so. Exactly. It's generally consistent, but well, well, you know, the baler wasn't working perfectly. And so this bale might be a little looser. And that's why, you know, we we often recommend for that very reason that you don't buy, when you're buying large quantities of hay, you don't buy by the bale. You buy by the weight. So you're buying it by the ton. And then sometimes you might get, you know, 60 bales in your ton. Sometimes you might get 65. Sometimes you might get 55. It's all the same weight that you're buying. So that's why we recommend buying by the weight, not by bale. Yeah. If you're buying in bulk like that. Yeah. So when you're trying to 
get weight off of a horse or trying to add weight, is there a format that's more ideal in that situation or does it matter at all? If you're trying to put weight on a horse, it's not about the form of the hay that you're feeding or the fiber that you're feeding. It's about the nutritive value of it. So if you're trying to put weight on a horse, you're looking towards alfalfa. It's high calorie, more calories per pound. If you have a horse that is already eating or let's say they don't they don't they're not really interested in food then maybe you're you're better off doing a pellet for your alfalfa because it's the weight of it is squeezed down it's a smaller volume so you're not overing, overwhelming the horse but it really is more about the nutritive value of the product you're feeding versus the physical form again unless your horse has bad teeth and just can't consume it Right, right. Yeah, no, and you brought up a good point. If that's not something like maybe because some horses, they don't like certain things, right? They can be picky. They may not like certain formats. So I think one of the other myths that we haven't touched on, and maybe you've got it in your list of questions, but is that the common misconception that long stem hay versus pellets, that pellets are more digestible, that is not true. The fiber in a pellet is the, has the same digestibility as the bale of hay that it came from. Now, with the old horse that has no teeth, it's still the same digestibility, but you've just got to bypass the teeth, which is the first part of the digestive system, and actually get it down into the hindgut where it's going to be digested. So just the actual physically eating it and getting it into the system is easier when it's pelleted and they can drink it, but it isn't more digestible. Right. No, I'm glad you brought that up. What about nutritional differences between formats? Well, is calories more that there unless you put something else in it, uh it's the same nutritive value. Just just looking at the dollars and cents of calories, protein, zinc, copper, calcium, phosphorus, whatever other nutrients we're looking at. Now, sometimes in a chopped forage, we might spray some canola oil on it. That's just going to really keep the dust down, keep the leaves intact, and keep it visually very pleasing. And now, obviously, the the oil that we sprayed on it is going to boost the calorie content, but the actual product, the actual pellet versus chaff versus cube, is going to have the same nutritive value as the hay or, or the plant that it was cut from, no matter what the form. Right. And the process, and I, and I ask this question because some people ask about that. Um, thinking that going through the pelleter or the cuber, that that can do something to the nutritional nope. value. Certainly doesn't. Okay. Nope. Perfect. No, I'm glad we talked about that and the digestibility because those are two really good and things that people ask about. So yeah, it's just about get, making it available to the region of the gut where it's actually going to be digested. The mouth is not where the food is digested and absorbed, right? And it, it's got to get, and that's why with a cow too, a cow has only got to get it down the throat into the stomach, and that's where it's getting digested. So it's a little easier with them. But with the horse, we got to get it down the throat, through the stomach, through the small intestine, all the way to the hindgut, and it's got to get past those teeth in the beginning. So sometimes it's just making it more available. Right. Yeah, yeah. Or accessible. Yes. So we've talked about all these different formats. You know, you can feed all of one kind or 
you know, mix and match just depending on what type of horse you have and what they like and, and things like that. But if let's say that we're consistently feeding long stem, that's what we fed, but maybe we are at that point where we have a horse that's needing, you know, something else because their dentition is not good or for whatever reason, maybe we're traveling and we want to be able to introduce some pellets in. So how much do we feed to compensate for that long stem hay when we're trading that out? Because I think that also confuses people. I mean, with the weights, like how do we, how do we feed that? If you are trading like for like, so we were feeding alfalfa hay and now we're going to go to an alfalfa pellet, then it's pound for pound. You take away a pound of alfalfa hay and you put in a pound of alfalfa pellets. Volume-wise, it's going to look different. You know, a pound of alfalfa hay is going to fill up your table, but a pound of pellets is going to be less. But if you're going from a pound of alfalfa hay or, or let's say Timothy hay or local grass hay and we're replacing it with alfalfa, well, alfalfa, whether it, no matter what form it's in, has more calories and nutrients than your local grass hay. So you may not have to feed as much of the alfalfa pellet or cube as you were at the amount of the grass hay that you were taking away. So if it's like for like replacement, as far as the actual plant that you're using, then it's a pound for pound replacement. Good. That's a good point. I think where most people trip up with that one is my horse has been doing fine on my local meadow hay, which who knows what it is, but it's probably doesn't have the highest nutritive value. And then we go to, you know, a company like Stanley where the Timothy, the orchard grass, that the nutritive value of those plants in whatever form they're in is way higher than what they were feeding before. So they think, well, I'm going from a grass to a grass. I'm, I've got my grass hay and I'm going to a Timothy grass pellet. It should be like for like. But I would guarantee that a, a Stanley Timothy or orchard grass pellet is going to have way more nutrition in it than your local grass hay. Yes. No, that's a really good point. So always really good to consider that. Dr. Cubit, before we wrap up this episode, what are a few takeaways that you would like our listeners to walk away from this episode with? I think that the main one is that no matter what age your horse is or its ability to consume fiber, teeth, et cetera, they need to eat that at least 1.2 to 1.5% of their body weight per day in fiber. And I think that that's the big takeaway. And people will say, well, why don't you give me a number? Well, every horse has a different body weight. So you can work that out, but don't be afraid if your horse doesn't have great teeth to feed the pelleted forage like you would hay, which means consistently and plenty of it. So that would be the biggest one. And then I think the other one is the one we just touched on is probably one of the pitfalls that people fall into with feeding a, a, a kind of processed forage, for lack of a better word, a pellet or a cube is knowing how much. If I'm taking away a certain amount of hay, how much do I put back in of that? And, and a lot of times they'll find that when we buy a bagged forage, maybe I, I replaced pound for pound, but my horse gained weight on the pelleted forage. Well, it's got to be like for like. So if it's a local grass hay and you're replacing a pound of it, you probably don't need quite a pound of, of the better quality nutritional value pellets. But. Right. Yeah. No, those are good takeaways. 
Thank you so much for listening in to the Beyond the Barn podcast. Please feel free to reach out to us anytime if you have questions for Dr. Cubit, or if you have a topic idea that you would like us to cover. We're headed into this new year, and we're really excited to offer some really great topics this year. And so reach out to us at podcast at stanleyforage.com. And Dr. Cubit, thank you and welcome to the new year. Thanks, Katie. Looking forward to 2022. Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Barn podcast by Stanley Forage. We'd love for you to share our podcast with your favorite people and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite listening platform. Until next time, keep your cinch tight and don't forget to turn off the water.